Hello and welcome into the SBI Rundown. Plenty to get into in today's episode. Uh, we'd have a show over the last couple of days. And of course, Iris, the soccer world does not sleep. And oh boy, did those MLS playoffs deliver the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, not just the MLS playoffs, man. Everything delivered. Americans Abroad delivered. I mean, who True. didn't score a goal for Americans Abroad this past weekend? Uh, you name it, it happened. And uh, it, it's crazy. December is normally, or it used to be kind of the quiet month uh, when you talk about American soccer. But now uh, it's actually, it feels like the busiest month of the year. And and, and I'm, I'm not complaining because it's busy is good. So it's uh, fun to see. It is a good thing. I always, yeah, in years past, right? December, we'd be sitting here talking about, okay, what do you think? that January camp's going to look like, who's the U S going to play, you know, who's where's, where's, you know, where's training camp going to be for a lot of the teams. I don't know. It's, it's, and it's crazy. It's, well, obviously this year's well, crazy to begin with, but, but part it's, of it, uh, part of it's, 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 it's part, about. part of it's COVID. I mean, obviously the, the pandemic and everything getting pushed course, back and everything's been pushed down the road. It's, it's easy to forget that at the beginning of the year, uh, MLS cup was supposed to be in early November. Uh, the CONCACAF champions league would have been decided by now. And if mm-hmm. anything, we'd be talking about the uh, club world cup potentially an MLS team in a club world cup, but obviously that didn't happen. Now we have MLS cup in December. We have us men's national team game in December, which is pretty extremely rare. Uh, and then you have CONCACAF champions league after that. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to all of it, but I, I, I will admit I'm looking forward to, you know, the end of December. So I can kind of finally take a week off and, well, this and is, decompress. This is, hey, this is just a preview for 2022 when we got the world cup being played at this time of year. Think about that. Well, actually, it's a preview for 2021, which is going to be the most insane year when you think about everything from Olympic Olympic qualifying, Olympics, World Cup qualifying, Nations League, Gold Cup, Olympics. I mean, under 20 World Cup, if they do it. I mean, (laughs) you name it, they got it. And then uh, in between all that, we got to get the vaccine in. And it's it. 2021 is going to be crazy, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, it will be. We'll we'll kick it off here. MLS Cup playoffs, uh, Seattle Sounders, what a comeback from them being down 2-0. I think they're the fifth team ever in MLS history to come back from a deficit like that and to win the match fourth in five years. Uh, Dude, Garth Lagerwey, man, he knows how to build a team up there. But Seattle Sounders, Ivis, they, uh, they found a way to get past Minnesota United. Uh, it was it was really impressive. I, I'm not going to say it was unbelievable because we are talking about the Sounders. I mean, this team is, is really impressive. They have some real killers on that team. And even when Minnesota scored that second goal to make it 2-0, I mean, at no point even with that that I sit there and say, oh, well, this one's over because we know we know what Seattle can do. We know what Nick, Nicolas Lodero and, and Raul Ruiz Diaz mm-hmm. and, and, and Brian Schmetz are pulling the strings that they, they were going to have something to say at the end of it. And uh, if there was one sad thing, a really sad thing about the whole thing, well, if you're a Minnesota United fan, there were a lot of sad things about it. But if in general, the, the one sad thing was that it was in an empty stadium. And, you know, if you look at the backdrop behind me, this is this is actually from last year's MLS Cup final uh, picture I took uh, from from that. And it just kind of reminds me of just being in a packed stadium. And that's really what it you know, ideally it would have been a packed stadium. And I can just imagine what that stadium would have been like for that comeback. Uh, but credit to Seattle. They showed their championship quality once again in that in that experience that they have. And and it's it's sad day for Minnesota United, no question. But, uh, you know, a few days from now, maybe if you're Minnesota, Minnesota United fan, you know, you should, you should look at the season and feel pretty good. And, and also know that there are better times ahead. You're going to have a whole year of, of Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, and you know they're going to revamp that that roster. So better days ahead for Minnesota. And if you're Seattle, another MLS Cup final. Yeah, it is. It's it's amazing how just Seattle, I mean, every single year, it's, I mean, you almost pencil them in at this point. Um, I did appreciate the fact that there was a Will Bruin sighting. I, I, I love 
how this playoffs, you've seen so many just like guys that are, that are, that, you know, paved out, you know, very good careers for themselves. I mean, Will Bruin, you know, getting at least the first goal on the board for them um, right there. And, and Seattle, you know, when you look at Seattle, Ivis, I mean, is it Garth Lockerway? Is it just the environment up there? I mean, what are they doing that's allowing them to have this much success? I mean, this is, I mean, we're reaching DC United levels from the early days of Major League Soccer. Well, and I mean, I get your RSL kind of favoritism to mention no, Garth Lockerway multiple it's times true. now. Since he's, joined I mean, look, since, hey, since he's joined since 2015, four finals in five years. You can't dismiss that. They've been a good program. They've been a good team before he got there. He's obviously done a great job. I know they I'm not have. sitting here I trying to crap have, on Garth Lagway, but it, 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 that's not the first name you mentioned. I'm just that's my whole point. Like it, it's a it's a it's a group effort there. Brian Schmetzer. If you want to talk about somebody, let's talk about Brian Schmetzer. The job that he's done. Uh, obviously, Lagway does his part, but Schmetzer has done. I mean, the job he's done there, and then Nicholas Ladero, obviously the big the gem in their whole setup. So I'm just saying it's kind of weird to start with Lagway. I get he's your boy. I get it, but like. Let's talk Not about Brian Schmetzer. Let's easy. talk about Nicholas Odero. I know. I'm just saying. It's just kind of you know Seattle. They they they've been doing it since day one. They've been a they've been a playoff team every year. Obviously, they've taken it up a notch. These they built this dynasty. Uh, and credit to Lagerway, credit to Schmetzer, credit to their owners for being willing to invest to go get a Ladero, to go get a Rui Diaz, to to sign Jordan Morris and and, and uh, Christian Roldan to to big contracts to keep them around. So it's really and that's what it takes. It takes a group effort because it's not just a you can't just have a good GM because if you have a good GM and a bad coach, what happens? You can't just have a good coach. You can't just have an owner who spends. You need all of the pieces. And Seattle is one of the very few teams that has all the pieces, and that's why they've gone on this run. Now, over in the Eastern Conference, you have the Columbus Crew. They're in the finals. Quite impressive when you look at it, considering that they didn't even make the playoffs last year. Uh, and Caleb Porter, turnaround for them. Um, incredible. And uh, and look, they had to knock off a very pesky New England Revolution team, 1-0. So, you know, big question here, I was, are you going to be at, you're going to be in Columbus for the final now? Uh, that's the plan. Actually, it, it, it is the one final that I would have, uh, that I would go to because I don't have to fly. It's a, it's a bit of a drive, uh, but I, what is you that, know, like a 14 hour drive or something, eight hours, eight hours. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's eight hours. We'll see. I mean, it'll, it'll be my, if I go, I mean, I'm going, that's the plan. I mean, knock on wood, uh, all goes well, I'll be in Columbus and it'll be my 19th straight MLS cup final. Um, but Columbus cre- credit to the crew and Credit to Caleb Porter, the job that he did there. Obviously, when he goes into year one, uh, he takes over for Greg Berhalter. He, you know, he has to put his own stamp on the team, and it's never easy to step in and replace a coach who didn't do that bad a job. It's one thing when you step in and you replace a coach and you step into a complete disaster and a team that's like the worst in the league, then it's easy. Then you clean house, you bring in all your new guys. Uh, Caleb Porter, you know, he was kind of taking over for an established coach who had done pretty well. And then, so he had to kind of take his time uh, rebuilding it. And obviously him and Tim Bezbachenko and the new owners. I mean, obviously with everything that happened there and the save the crew efforts, think about that. They almost lost their team and they go from almost losing their team to now they're in the final. They're going to have a new stadium next year. They have a coach who's, you know, obviously one of the best coaches in the league uh, and everything is going great for them. And, and it, it is fitting that the final game at Map Free Stadium, at former Crew Stadium, is going to be an MLS Cup final before they move into their stadium next year. I think that's uh, I think that's a perfect send off for a stadium with with so much history. You're definitely right. Uh, you know some other things from Columbus Darlington Nagby. If you want to get to the finals, sign him. Third final in uh, in his career. But you know when you look at the job Ivis that that Caleb Porter done with Columbus, you know what is the thing that stood out to you the most 
from, from, from an impressive standpoint that you saw with the team this year? I, I would say it just, you know, he, he's a coach, obviously, who's had to evolve, uh, you know, when he started out, when he came in from the college ranks and came to Portland, uh, you know, he it, it was a bit of uh, an eye opener for him because obviously he was a dominant coach in college and he was very, you know, with Akron, it was all about possession. And he learned that, you know, you also have to fight. You also have to get, you also have to, you know, have that bite as a team. And now what you see with this Columbus crew team is a team that can play and they, and they can create beautiful chances and score beautiful goals, but they also have a great fight to them. And they have a team, he's put together a group of players that can, that have the skill, but they also have that toughness. And it really is the perfect Caleb Porter team when you look at that. And there's nothing, honestly, there's nothing surprising about them being in the final. I know some people might say, oh, well, they're the three seed and whatever, but it's easy to forget. They spent more than half the year with the best record in the league. And then Darlington Nagby got hurt. Lucas Zelarayan got hurt. And now, and that really, that, that caused them to stumble yep. and cost them points down the stretch. But, you know, take that aside. They were always one of the best teams in the league this year. So it's no surprise. Credit to Caleb Porter, putting that all together. And you mentioned Nagby. Uh, it, it's interesting, the, the battle in the final between the Sounders, who seem so unstoppable, and Nagby, who just is like, you know, he gets to the final, he wins the final, he's done it twice before, and now we'll see if he can do it for a third time with a third different team. It's funny how things change so fast. I, I remember that we were we were talking about that for a while with Colum- Columbus, Columbus, uh, when Columbus started to, to falter. That was when Toronto FC was starting to assert dominance over the Eastern Conference. So funny how things can change. You know, going back and looking at the Columbus Crew, Seattle Sounders, they did play each other this year um, back on March, right, before everything went, went locked down. So you have a draw right there. So you really can't take much from that. But when you look at the preview, though, for this game, um, you know, we'll do another full preview a little later this week. But just a quick one here, Ivis, you know, what are your initial impressions and thoughts, you know, from looking at this matchup? I mean, it's going to be a great game. And and I, I hadn't spent a ton of time thinking about it, but when you just – look at the initially when you look at the midfield the battle in the midfield is going to be pretty amazing when when you look at uh, Nicholas Ladero against Snagby uh, obviously they know each other very well um, and then you have uh, Jesse Zardis who's, who's been outstanding for for the crew how does Seattle's defense deal with him uh, Rui Diaz against Jonathan Mensa. I mean that's another another uh, impressive matchup so there's all sorts of matchups all over the place and then you have Caleb Porter against Brian Schmetzer they know each other well from Caleb Porter's time Obviously, as a coach of of, uh, of the Timbers and and Caleb Porter, uh, we we know he he's not a huge fan of Seattle, so it it, it would be it be he'd love nothing more uh, than to deny the Sounders. Uh, obviously, he wants to win a title. That's that's m- the most important thing. But if he can also beat Seattle in the process, that'll make it that much sweeter for him. And uh, we'll see, man. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's great. Yeah. And Seattle is the favorite, right? Even though it's in Columbus, uh, they're gonna have some fans there. Um, you still have to give Seattle the pick as the favorite, but this Columbus crew team, they've shown in these playoffs that they have a toughness about them, a poise about them. And they have Darnton Agby who yep. is, I mean, he's a, he knows how to win. The biggest thing I'd be paying attention to is uh, how Columbus's defense works last two games in the playoffs, uh, you know, back-to-back shutouts for them, only 21 goals given up throughout the season. You know, you know, Seattle's going to at least find the back of the net once. Right. Or, or, I mean, you know, can Columbus, you know, keep there's, there's going to be chances. Right? Yeah. There's going to be chances. I mean, let's not. Now, I I I found it interesting your choice of words with New England. You call New England pesky. New England wasn't. They were they were good. They were a good team, <laughs> and they and they could have easily beaten Columbus. 
uh, they had chances. They didn't put their chances away. Gustavo Bo uh, missed, I don't know how many chances there. So, you know, looking back at that, New England could have, could have definitely knocked off the crew, but credit to the crew. They, they, they came up with the, with the stops that they needed to come up with. Now, my question is, is Eloy Rune, the goalkeeper going to be ready? Obviously he's coming off COVID-19. I mean, they haven't confirmed that publicly, but obviously he's been out. And we know that they had uh, however many players, seven, eight players that were out with, with COVID-19. So, He's the starting goalkeeper. He is clearly an upgrade over Andrew Tarbell, who credit to Andrew Tarbell, he stepped up and, and filled the role the last few playoff games. But if Eloy, Eloy Room is healthy, Eloy Room is your, he's your starter. He's he's just he's a, an elite level uh, goalkeeper. So that that's going to be a big one for me. How do those players, uh, Eloy Room, uh, Derek Etienne Jr., another player who he had been starting for the crew before he 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 came down with covid uh and then luis diaz stepped in for him and was great and 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 now if you're caleb porter it's like do i stick with luis diaz probably because he's looked so good or do you go with Derek etienne hopefully you have etienne at least on your bench because he does give you something he can he can take on people on the wing so uh, i want to see how that the crew going to need their their depth man they're going to need their bench so hopefully those players can recover so that caleb porter has his full complement against the against the sounders like I said, uh, SBI right now, we'll do another full preview uh, for the MS Cup final a little bit later this week. Now, I guess we'll move on to the Americans abroad this abroad this past weekend um, in league play. Incredible weekend. If you were sleeping on a rock or haven't seen it on Twitter or not even checking the website, go check. It was a huge weekend for the Americans. Yeah, Gina Giorena, uh, Weston McKinney, and Christian Pulisic all score on the same exact day. I know for there's all these stats that I keep seeing. I know for a fact that's definitely the first time that's ever happened. They need a player score in Germany, Italy, and England. So we'll just stick with that statistic. Um, but just what an incredible Saturday for the Americans. Um, and uh, and look, I just they they just keep on delivering every single weekend. Well, what's crazy is that it was just last week. Uh, everyone, we were, you know, American soccer fans were all happy at the fact that in Champions League, you had however many players yeah. all play in the same match day. So right seven, there, it was seven, 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 yeah, seven, seven Americans playing in the same match day in Champions League. And I think none of them lost. I could be wrong, but, you know, quite a no, few of them won. Yeah, quite a few of them won their matches. So uh, that was great to see. But then they top it with uh, Pulisic scores. Gio Reyna scores a huge goal for, for yep. Dortmund. And then Weston McKinney, man, stepping up uh, and scoring to, to help uh, spark the comeback by, by Juventus, who ended up winning in their derby. And that's just great to see, man. I mean, it's just great to see. It's one thing for these guys to be on these teams, but for them mm -hmm, to be making mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. impacts that they're making. I mean, Gio Reyna, perfect example, right? You, you're starting to hear the cynics are kind of like, oh, well, Erling Haaland is carrying yep. the team. He rides his coattails. And guess what happens? Erling Haaland is, is, is injured. They don't have him. And Giorena steps up and scores and shows, listen, I can do this myself. So, I mean, you'd love seeing that. And and obviously, Christian Pulisic just having him back uh, healthy and looking older now with the beard. How yeah, about that, I'm right? How quickly... How quickly they grow up, right? I mean, he was just the baby face 17 year old like a minute ago, and now here he is, full beard. Even had a little, I think I saw a little gray hair in there. So uh, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, these they're growing up fast. And, uh, and Weston McKinney, love seeing it. Weston McKinney 
And and I tell you what, Andrea Pirlo, the Juventus manager, they needed that result because you know they've had some disappointing results in league play. Uh, so for for you, him to play that part, he came off the bench, mind you, and yep. scored six minutes after coming off the bench. Hopefully that leads to more playing time because it's been a little inconsistent the playing time for McKinney at Juventus. But you can tell he's not letting it get him down. He's staying it p- tuned in and plugged in and ready to take advantage of any chance he gets. And that's what you love to see. And and you know hopefully they keep it going and hopefully he can get more starts yeah hopefully mckinney can and 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 hopefully right i mean we always talked about you know this is just a loan for him right hopefully this turns into a permanent move for him pulisic also came off the bench you know another thing that that stood out to me this weekend um you know you know geo's shot one he rifled that shot i mean it was in the back of the net before the goalkeeper even hit the ground i mean the goalkeeper had no chance on that one but i saw i did see this statistic that he is now tied with pulisic for most goals scored before 20 years old and he still has another season ahead of him right here six goals already um, it's just, it's look, it's nice. It's nice that we could just soak this all in right now. It's, it's, it's very fun. No, it's great. It's great. And now what's going to be fun is how many, how many of these guys are going to be able to potentially now play in the knockout rounds as the knockout rounds of the champions league come around. Um, this week is the last uh, week at week of the group stage. Uh, and we're as we're recording this, the, uh, we're like th- it's like 30 minutes before the Tuesday matches, so we won't be able to preview those matches, including Sergio Dest against Weston McKinney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no. also oh, also some guy named Messi against some guy named Ronaldo. I don't know enough about that, but uh, yeah. So we we'll talk about that the next episode. But a little peek ahead, a lot of these guys are going to be in the knockout round: Sergio yep. Dest, Christian Pulisic, uh, Weston McKinney, Chris Richards, uh, Gio Reyna, Chris Richards. So I Zach mean, Zach Steffen. Right. So he's, I mean, getting, I he's, getting, he's getting a start today. He is getting a start today. So yeah, exactly. So I mean, and that adds to the and that adds to the total, right? That makes does that make it nine? Does that make it nine of the ten Americans that were eligible? We have to look playing in the group stage. I think so. I think it made it. I, I think Alex Mendez is the only American of the ten Americans who were on Champions League group stage rosters who isn't playing. So McKinney makes. I think. I think Stefan makes number nine. So that's great. Um, but anyway, I, I, I digress. Champions League knockout rounds, that experience is even an even greater experience. So for, for a guy like Dest, a guy like Reyna, uh, those, those youngsters who haven't had that yet, for them to get that, that's going to be fun. Well, I think the other thing too is, right, it's the experience, but it's also the exposure for a lot of these American players, right? It continues to show that, hey, American players can play for these high-level teams, can deliver for these teams when the eyes are on them, right? I mean, everyone watches champions league everyone does and these are the matches right that you want your american players and you want them to deliver right because that opens up more opportunities for them and you hope it's a trickle down effect and opens up for more opportunities for americans down the road and i'm already looking at like you said teams that qualified i mean the americans are looking good i mean we'll definitely see five six seven guys in, in the knockout stages so right we might even see an American coach in the knockout stage if uh, Jesse Marsh's uh, Red Bull Salzburg can upset Atletico Madrid. So they're still alive there, mind you. So And that's on Wednesday. So that people definitely keep, keep an eye out for that one because that's huge. And not, listen, not only, not only would it mean a ma- an American manager in the Champions League knockout stage, mm-hmm. it would also potentially mean Brendan Aronson getting a chance at the Champions League knockout stage because he joins Red Bull Salzburg that's in true. January. Yeah, that's true, right? So, so there you go, man. I mean, it's uh, it's it's fun times, fun times and so it much is. to look forward to. And uh, it's a great time to be, be an American soccer fan for sure. It is. And then, and to answer your, your question from earlier, yes, you had 10 Americans in Champions League, nine, nine of 10, you're right. Alex Mendes was the, was the loan, not, not, not to, uh, 
not to get a match. Quick soapbox moment here for me. And I got to bring this up because uh, as you mentioned, uh, when, when uh, talking about the last time that you had multiple, this many Americans score in the big leagues in a, in a, in the same day or same weekend, uh, you had uh, what was referenced, what I saw at least on Twitter, I think U.S. Soccer might have, might have referenced it. I think it was Brian McBride, uh, Jermaine Jones, and, yep, and I, I forget who the other I forget who the other player was. And it, it made me bring up something that I've kind of wanted to bring up in the past, <clears throat> but I hadn't before. Uh, and it's the whole Jermaine Jones referencing for some of these some of these records, um, because obviously when, when you're talking about the previous record for most Americans, uh, most U.S. national team players in the Champions League in a, in a single year. You had you had a year where Jermaine Jones played for Shaka. And I got to bring up this point. When Jermaine Jones played for Shaka, <clears throat> when you're talking about the 04-05 season, right, he was not eligible to play for the United States. He actually had played for Germany. He had represented Germany. Uh, and the rule, had, the rule that would allow him to switch to the United States didn't kick in until years later, like I want to say four or five years later, right? Mm. So at the time when Jermaine Jones played for Schalke in the Champions League, in the in the years that keep getting referenced when talking about U.S. national team players, he was not a U.S. national team player. He was not eligible to be a U.S. national team player. So I, it's it's kind of this convenient retroactive, like, well, he ended up playing for us, so like, let's count him. I, I don't know. I, I Personally, I don't... I don't think you should count that. Honestly, I really don't. Um, so, and nothing against Jermaine Jones. He was great for the U.S. national team. I've mentioned it before. The, you know, the U.S. could use a player like him now and when when he was, you know, at his best. But I just think people need to stop this convenient referencing of his time at Schalke when he was not eligible to play for the United States. So let's let it go. If you want to say, well, he was American, so he should count. Well, guess what, folks? If you want to do that, let's start talking about G uh, Giuseppe Rossi's uh, Champions League contributions because, hey, he's an American. He's been an American his whole life. But again, he didn't play for the United States. So obviously you don't mention him, you don't reference him. So for me, that's just kind of a little thing that's been kind of like, you know, picking at me for a while. And then one more time, they brought it up again with this, this latest, you know, uh, goal scorers in European top leagues. It's like, listen, he was not eligible at that time that he did it, but whatever, who cares? There's new records. Now we're not going to even have to bring that up anymore because yep. all those records have been broken. Well, would, would Jermaine Jones even be want to want to be on this team? I mean, at the time he was the only Champions League player and wore that like a badge of honor, right? He'd have to compete against all these kids now, you know. I don't know if he'd want. He used that. to brag about being a Champions League player, so I know uh, that's now, why it's funny. It's a, actually, you <laughs> he, know what? I, he'd sit here and dog on all the younger kids how they don't know, and you know they're young. Right. right. Yeah. It, well, no. You know what's funny is actually the current U.S. setup could absolutely use someone like 2011. 2012 2013 Jermaine Jones absolutely just because of like his toughness his yep. attitude and again would he you know and I think he'd be great I think he would be great on this team and and because right now I mean this you have super talented team you have you have players playing all over Europe in the top leagues but who's the who's the who's the <laughs> Who's like the the? I know the, what you're the, saying. The answer who's is who's the junkyard dog? Yeah, the no, answer is no, it's not, not Weston McKinney, not, but like it's, it's not, not. It's no one else. It's not. Who's the pit bull? Who's the junkyard dog? Who's the guy that's going to get in people's faces? And and look, you don't have to have that, but it's nice to have. No, you it's need nice to, to have you someone need, who you got. You got to have one guy. You, you need team. no, and you know who it is. If there, if it's anyone in this group, it's it's someone. Maybe people might not think, but it's actually Tyler Adams because Tyler Adams is a pit bull man. Tyler Adams. 
don't let the baby, I've said it a million times, don't let the baby face fool you. When he's on the field, he is a killer. When he's on the field, he will go at anybody. He will get in anybody's face. He will step to anybody. Anyone tries to come at him, he'll, he will not back away from anybody. So if, if, if there is that player, it's actually Tyler Adams, but I would like to see someone else. And right now I'm not seeing it. Uh, and, but again, a lot of these players are young. Maybe it'll, maybe someone will develop into that kind of player. Uh, but I tell you what, Jermaine Jones, 2011, 2012, 2013, Jermaine Jones would be would be a great fit on this team right now. Agree with you. Well, maybe we'll see a player emerge when the U.S. takes on El Salvador on Wednesday. <laughs> nice little segue. segue. You like that? You like segue, segue King. Right segue uh, King. I love it. Good. Uh, so the U.S. takes El Salvador. The game's at uh, look 7:30 East Coast, 4:30 West Coast. Maybe I'm not right or wrong. Go check that if if. if so Isn't it 5.30 now? Is it only two hours? Oh, it's 5.30. No, we were two hours. Oh, you're mountain. Hour you're mountain. Yeah, you're mountain. Right. I can't keep track of the time. Why are you getting the time zones involved? Well, nobody well, you know, knows. letting everyone know, right? You know, people, <laughs> people maybe, maybe they, don't, they don't check, right? Um, Ivis, though, game gets out Salvador. We've talked about this big opportunity for a lot of younger players who never received a cap, you know, to get some good looks by, by Greg Bohatrick, you know, because, you know, we know what's coming up in 2021. Um, a lot of players to kind of like solidify what they've done. <clears throat> Sebastian Soto, who got named to the roster, you know, initial thoughts looking at this game, what are you looking to take away from this? What are you going to be looking at? Well, it is funny how Sebastian Soto conveniently gets a red card and magically becomes available to play in this friendly. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like Soto was on the phone with Berhalter and he's like, man, when can I play for the U.S. again? And then he's like, oh, wait, so if I get a red card? And then he just gets goes to get a red card. He's on his way to Florida. Uh, but no, all kidding aside, uh, I, I do want to see Sebastian Soto. And, uh, you know, obviously he didn't get a chance to start in either of the November friendlies. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned in, in, in previous shows, uh, or in a previous show, he hadn't had the most minutes uh, as like starter minutes before before the no- November friendly. He he had started to play games, he had started to get starts, but he wasn't playing ninety minutes. So I could see maybe why he he didn't get a chance to start in the November friendlies. But now he's continued to play, continued to score goals, and then this opportunity created itself for him to come in. And so now for me, I, I see it as a perfect opportunity for him to start, even though it is a little. The fact that you have Ayo Akinola and Daryl DK, two intriguing prospects that a lot of people are hoping to get a look at. Now it, there's less minute, there's fewer minutes there to go around at the striker position. But so what? You want to see Soto? The other guys can wait, and the other guys, hey, listen, there's January camp as well. There's so opportunities, from, yeah. It'll be, yeah, it'll be fun. the Jan- Akinola and DK absolutely, you, you got to think, will be available. Uh, and and take part in the January camp, and that that will be their opportunity to start. So for me, I want to see Soto, uh, and then in center back, center back. If, if you're Greg Burrow, whoa, 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 you're giving me crap the other day for announcing a bunch of players. Two look positions, look, look two at positions, you, rambling, going on and on. You know, two positions. Okay. All, right, all, right, all right, tell me, what are you what are you looking forward to? I, I named one well, player. I, I, so I think you, you brought up an interesting point right there. You know, with Soto coming in, you know, obviously it takes away minutes from the game. But I think another thing that is so important, though, is when players do get called into camp, they may not get a cap at all. But what's so important, though, is how you blend into that camp. I mean, there have players in the past who've been called up to camps and coaches are like, nope, and they never get a call up again. So you're right. So maybe, uh, you know, Io doesn't, you know, Io and DK don't don't get minutes right. But how they carry themselves in this camp matters for that January call up and matters for future calls. Right. You may not see minutes on the field. Right. But but you got to still show something so you can still earn those opportunities for calls right there. 
Um, do you want to go through the lineup real quick? What, what, how, you want to go back in front? What, what, what do you want to do? I was going to do whatever you want. I mean, we can get in the lineup a little bit, but you did, did you did raise an interesting point, and I, and I, and I, I think people kind of tend to overlook this is the fact that people definitely do get caught up in, in who plays and who starts, who gets minutes in these kind of friendlies. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you overlook the fact that they have a whole week of camp. They have a camp. Yep. They have, that's really the opportunity that those players have to interact with Burhalter and, his, and, and their, and the squad and to really make an impression. And it's not always all about the game. It's not always all about those 90 minutes. And obviously if you're a player, you want to make the most of the opportunity if you, if you get it. But I just would say people who kind of tend to look at those performances and put way too much stock yep, into yep, whatever yep, happens yep, yep. into the 90 and not think about, listen, he might've made for whatever reason, maybe a player might struggle in the friendly, but maybe they kicked, kick butt in the in the entire camp or maybe they impressed in the camp and they were a good fit in the camp so that's the kind of stuff that that coaches are weighing not just the what yeah. we see at what people we as media see and what what fans see we see a small portion of it and that's why and it, and not just talking about this talking about anything in general because people always want to talk about oh the coach should have did this the coach should have did that the coach has a lot more material to work with. The coach has a lot more that they've looked at, a lot more they've seen. They have a much better feel for these players and what they can and can't do. So from, from that standpoint, even if Akinola doesn't start, even if DK doesn't, if, even if they don't start or don't play that much, doesn't mean they're not impressing and doesn't mean Berhalter is going to give them another chance in January. Hey, right. Look at you agreeing with me for once on the show. I got to, yeah, I got to, I got to take a note on this one and let, you know, remind myself. 50, 50. Yeah. Uh, 50%. Well, okay. So we, we banged out the striker position in Greg Berhalter's uh, uh, formation. So we can scratch that one off right there. We'll start at the back goalkeeper. Uh, Bill Hamid. Bill Hamid. Start right easiest, there. easiest call. Bill Hamid. We don't even have to discuss it. Bill Hamid. Okay. We'll move forward. Center back position. You got a couple options here. Walker Zimmerman, Mark McKenzie, and, Guy, I feel like everyone keeps forgetting about. I didn't think we are. I mean, Aaron Long, another guy in the mix right there. I mean, with, with who's get who's starting out of those out of those three guys? All right, here's what it comes down to, right? If if this was a game, if this was let's say this was a World Cup qualifier, right? Aaron Long would absolutely be starting 100% just because he's played in big games, he's played in Gold Cup, uh, and he has that edge over those guys. But if you think about it, if you see this as an opportunity for Greg Berhalter to have a look at some guys. This is an opportunity for, like, in my opinion, a chance to see Mark McKenzie. Now, if Mark McKenzie goes in January on a transfer, then he's not going to take part in the January camp. He's only He will only have gotten into one game so far. He has one cap. So this is the perfect opportunity for me to hit you start Walker Zimmerman and you start Mark McKenzie, who two of the best defenders, if not the two best defenders in MLS in 2020, you give them their chance. That's no knock on Aaron Long. You've seen Aaron Long. You've seen plenty of Aaron Long. And you can see more of Aaron Long in January because I don't think the Red Bulls are ready to sell him. So he he's going to be available. So for me, I start those two. I don't start Aaron Long. But again, I want to preface that if this game mattered, if this was a qualifier, I would be starting Aaron Long. Now, fullback position, same thing. Got a couple options. And, and the interesting thing about the fullback position, right, is you're going to have no experience there. Actually, the, the only two experienced guys on defense, yeah, are Aaron Long and uh, and uh, Walker Zimmerman. You get to the fullbacks. I mean, the only one you have there is playing game in a match, Sam Vines. So he's the most experienced out of the fullbacks. It's kind of well, funny. look, Sam Vines is going to start. I mean, and it, well, it's easier. Do you forget now? He, I mean, he, I, th I believe he did all right in the January camp. Um, so he, I think he's going to start left back. Right back is, is, is really interesting for me because you have Julian Arahu and you have Kyle Duncan. And for me, Kyle Duncan was one of the best right backs in the league. 
in, in in MLS in 2020. Finally was able to stay healthy, had a great year. One of the one of the bright spots on a Red Bulls team that was pretty disappointing. And then you have Julian Arahu, the teenager, really good prospect, also a dual national, also a player that Mexico is interested in and that Mexico is talking to. Uh, and he's weighing his options on that front. And it was pretty interesting. He spoke to the media uh, a few days ago. And, you know, he, he st- first question right off the bat, they're asking him about U.S.-Mexico, which is standard. It's it's what it's what everyone wants to talk about. Everyone wants to hear him talk about. Of course, he tries the whole, you know, I'm trying to focus on the camp and then that. He didn't want to talk about it. Understandable, right? He wouldn't want to talk about it. Of course, that didn't stop people from continuing to ask, and there were a few more questions thrown his way about it. And he, you know, he he tried to navigate it and tried to not to get into it too much. And then, of course, at the end of the call, it was a Zoom call. Uh, as he cut, turned, like the mic was still on, and you could hear him in the background, kind of being like, "Every question, geez, like he he was like complaining, like how every question was about that," uh, which I thought was pretty funny. But long-winded way to say, I think he gets to start because we know Greg Berhalter in his courting of dual nationals, we'll take an opportunity to give these guys that experience because that helps, right? Because they, you know, Yunus Musa, Serginio Dest, uh, you know, players who Greg Berhalter gave multiple starts to when there were still question about their international status. So I, I have no, I don't think anyone is going to have a problem with him giving Julian Arahu a start so he can get a taste of everything and get a feel for it and, 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 and feel what it is to hear the anthem and to get on the field and play and play with his teammates. So from that standpoint, I, you, he's going to start Arahu, I think. I would Now, if this, again, if this game mattered, Kyle Duncan, man, I, I really like Kyle Duncan as a prospect, but this, this is why Julian Arahu is going to start. Now, moving up to the midfield, the trio right there, this, this is where things can get a little interesting in, in the lineup for Greg Berhalter. You know that Brandon Aronson is going to be getting a start. Right? Yes. You know that's going to be happening. question is where? Sebastian Legette, you know he's going to be also starting this match too, right? So so a lot depends on kind of where Brendan Aronson is going to go, but let's just say for the sake of this, right, Brendan Aronson, Sebastian Legette are both in the midfield. Who's that third option right there? Is it Kellen Acosta? Is it Jackson Ewell? Who gets the other other nod right there? It's Jackson Ewell. It's going to be, it's going to be Jackson Ewell. I mean, that's Greg Berhalter's guy. Uh, he's coming off of a good season with San Jose. Uh, Kellen Costa has played his way back into the picture and full credit to him because he's, yep. he's really come out of the wilderness to get back, to play himself back into the conversation. And uh, I know some people already kind of wrote him off or had forgotten about him. He can still play no question, but Jackson Ewell is, is a, a very good defensive midfield prospect. He's someone who Greg Berhalter rates very highly. Um, and I know he was kind of the late addition, but I think that was that was kind of more of a formality because I think he was undergoing a, a, a COVID nineteen protocol of some kind or quarantine. He he, I think it's I think that's going to be the three. <clears throat> I think it's me, Aronson, Legette, and uh, and Ewell as your triangle in the middle. The only question for me is this: the Georgi Mihalovic, do you play him on the? Could you end up playing him on the wing? Could you play him centrally and play Legette on the wing? Legette, we know, can play on the wing. We know he can play as a false striker, uh, false nine, apparently. Um, so you could have any of those variations, but I'll stick with that trio. Legette, Aronson, Jackson Ewell. And then you look at the wingers, uh, Paul Areola, the most experienced guy on this on this, on this current roster right here. He's buying the beer. He's buying the beer. I know, right? Um uh, he, I, you know, I, I think you could pencil him in. I think that's a safe bet. And I think that, you know, question is who's going to be starting opposite of him. Um, who you got there, Ivis? Chris Mueller, man. Chris Mueller, give him the start. 
coming off a great year. Well, I don't want to hype him up anymore because, you know, I don't want no, you know, to hype him up a little too much, you know. So. No, he deserves it, man. And honestly, Ariola, I don't know if Ariola's the lock only because he's still kind of working his way back from the ACL surgery, right? I, like, how, where is he physically? That's kind of a question. Although, if you've seen videos, if you've caught any of the videos of him in camp, He's put on a little muscle there. I mean, I know yeah, he, yeah, he, has. he, you know, you're recovering from ACL, you're, you're in the gym, you're doing all the rehab, and then maybe you do a few extra, you know, a few extra bench press, a few extra curls. Ariola, man, he's looking a little, uh, looking a little swole there. So I thought that, that, that was, that was interesting to see. So, uh, but if he's healthy, absolutely. He's a starter because he's someone who, when he's healthy is, is a, a top option for Greg Berhalter in terms of wingers. Um, so if he's healthy, yes, absolutely starts. Him and Chris Mueller, that's that's the two that, I, that I'm going with. I'm Chris Mueller. One thing I would kind of re- thinking about it now, will Berhalter possibly go with a lineup that's almost as much of an Olympic eligible lineup as possible? Maybe not as a starting 11, but maybe in the second half, we'll see him give that, give a group to put a group together, make some substitutions and have a lineup that's almost all Olympic eligible players um, with a nod towards U23 qualifying. Cause a lot of these guys will be part of the under 23 qualifying, uh, which I believe at this point is going to be in March. <laughs> it could change it any second. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's literally, know. it could be like uh, tomorrow. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> the schedule, the schedules are changing in every, every, every competition. So. So there it is. There's the, there's the starting lineup. Uh, you know, I don't know. Is it worth projecting a score? I don't know. Two, one U.S. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, uh, they do us should win. The U S should win. Obviously they should put four up. It should be four nil, but I mean, Ooh, okay. it's not, yeah, I'll say that four nil. Um, but, uh, but who knows, right? I mean, it's, it, it, these guys haven't played the, together that much, but with the talent that they have coming off of their seasons, a lot of these guys came straight from the playoffs. So, so form and fitness should not be as much that really an issue there. So I'll go four zero, four zero US. Wow. Shout out. Look at you going for it. I mean, Bill Hamid, man, give some respect. Bill Hamid is a, he's there to prove something. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, one final thing we do need to talk about uh, before we wrap up today's show, the World Cup qualifying has officially come out. Um, it's been solidified. Uh, it will begin September of next year. Uh, and it's, it's going to look like we thought it was. It's going to be condensed. You're going to have a few times when the U.S. is going to have to play three matches in a window. Um, there's going to be times they're going to have to play two matches in a window. Um, that one's a nice one. That's like Mexico and Jamaica for that one. But uh, look, we, we knew it was going to be new. 2021 was going to be busy. Ivis. And now we have a more of a clear picture of how busy it's going to be for the U S right. Uh, FIFA, FIFA obviously came out with, with the, the schedule uh, for, for the international windows. And now at where originally World Cup qualifying was going to be in June or start in June. And there were going to be some games in June. Now you've had qualifying pushed back into starting in the fall and now you're going to have more of these these massive three match uh, windows, these uh, three matches in in a specific window, and that it's good and bad. But because obviously you 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 know if you get an injury at a certain point, you could have a key player miss three different matches, and that that's obviously something you don't want to see. But um, in some ways, it, it I think it helps the U.S. In, t- in two ways. Number one, it helps the U.S. because obviously this it, there's a young core that now has more time to develop more time to work together. And it, and it kind of loosens up that, that summer that was looking so crazy. You already had the nation's league. You already had the, the potential lead, the Olympics, and then you're shoehorn, you had the gold cup and then you were shoehorning in 
you know, two or three qual three qualifiers in June. And that that just was all going to be very crazy. So now that that's not the case, now that now if you're Greg Berhalter, you can kind of, you know, have you potentially have your first choice players, uh, you know, play in the Nations League and have that kind of be a prep for them or have them play in the Gold Cup, one, one or the other. Uh, more than likely, I think it's going to be the Nations League. But it, I think it works out. And the second thing I want to say, if you look at the schedule and the way it's laid out now, the U.S. has to be pretty happy. And I know I know everyone's going to panic and say, wait, you can't take anything for granted. We know what happened last time around with World Cup qualifying. Relax. It's it, You can point to this schedule and say it is very favorable, favorable for the U.S. because the last World Cup qualifying cycle, it wasn't favorable because it started off in Costa Rica and against Mexico. Two of the three toughest games in the entire cycle off the bat. And obviously the U.S. lost both, and that set the course for what we know happened, which was the nightmare of missing out on the World Cup. This time around, the U.S. starts off playing weaker opponents. They don't play the Mexicos and the Costa Ricas until later. They don't go to Costa Rica until the absolute last game of the entire qualifying cycle, where they have never won. And you'd like to think by then it'll be decided. So... And then they play in they play Mexico in a two game window. So everything you could have asked for, like if, and I think I said this before, before this change, if you could have asked Greg Berhalter to lay out his schedule that he would want, this would be it. So from that standpoint, if you're a U.S. fan, you should be feeling pretty good. They still got to do it. They still got to win. They still got to play. They still got to score the goals and stop the goals. But the schedule looks really good for them. Well, I think the other thing too is you said right there. I mean, they played Costa Rica last game of the game of of, of the qualifying. But they don't play Costa Rica till the fifth game. So, so it's in the sixth game. And then more importantly, right. when they play Costa Rica, that first game, they're home. And then they play Mexico, they're home. Right. So, so you have that's nice right there. Right after Everything. that, you gotta go, you gotta go Jamaica on the road. But I mean, again, like you said you couldn't have asked for a better thing, right? Costa Rica is your sixth opponent at home, Mexico is your seventh at home. That's nice for the US to have that right there. It's lined up perfectly. And I know the conspiracy theorists will be out in force and say, ah, look at that. Uh, CONCACAF, the fix is in. They don't want to have the U.S. miss again. L relax, okay? If you look at the last few qualifying cycles, the schedules haven't been great for the U.S., actually. So I think, actually, it's been the U.S. is due now to get a favorable final schedule, final round uh, schedule. So from that, you know what, if you're a U.S. fan, you're feeling pretty good. And if you're Greg Berhalter, you're looking at it and you're also breathing a little sigh of relief because now you have even more time before, before live ammo, before the matches really count because and no, no knock on the gold cup in the summer, no knock on the Olympics and, and even no knock on the nation's league knockout. What matters is world cup qualifying. Yep, and you, and you, and you now have 10 months from now, to plan for it, to get ready for it, to get guys ready for it. So, uh, but that Nations League, I'm looking forward to that Nations, that Nations League now even more because that that mat, those matches, the semifinal and the final, if they win the semifinal and they play, potentially play Mexico in the final, you you got to think that's that Berhalter is going to take that competition as a chance to bring his full strength, the Avengers, <laughs> Reina, Dest, Pulisic, McKinney, Tyler Adams, the whole crew, to that nation's league to try to, you know, to win a title and to, you know, to play Mexico, man. That's, you want to get it. You want to start getting games again against Mexico that matter. I just love the fact that we're going to have so many games so often every single month. It's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. Yep. Yep. Man, looking, there, I'm looking right here. The gold cup ends. Yeah. August 1st. Right. So 
Yeah, you have the U.S. all all, all July at the Gold Cup, right? And then August you have a break, but then boom, kicks wait, back up. With when wait, when are the Olympics? I think the oh, Olympics, Olympics are- too. Sorry, the Olympics are also that time. See, I'm, I'm forgetting things. There's so many games. It's so many games. Uh, under twenty World Cup. Where whenever that is, <laughs> or if it's happening still, under twenty World Cup, you're gonna have play. Listen, you're gonna have players in the under twenty World Cup that are prom. I mean, you Uliana is is eligible for the under twenty World Cup. Cole Bassett, uh, Con- Conrad De La Fuente. Although I don't know if. Conrad Delafuente is going to, I think he'll play for the Olympics. If the U.S. qualifies for the Olympics, I think Conrad Delafuente will play in the Olympics, but it's going to be fun, man. It'd be nice if the U.S. could qualify for the Olympics. That'd be quite nice. It's been three Olympics now since then, I think. Nah, I I don't know. Brazil, no. London, no. They've missed three out of four. They've missed three out of four. That's what it is. Yeah. And it's the, well, I, I will say this. Obviously, it's a challenge because a lot of players that are eligible, their clubs are never going to let them come in for qualifying. Um, but there's, and I've said this before, there's so many young players now uh, playing regularly and being and and ev- uh, evolving into impact players in MLS. That now, when you look at the potential Olympic qualifying team that you can put out there, even just with MLS players, it's going to be an eleven of guys who are top p- players in MLS. Uh, as opposed to four years ago or eight years ago, when you only had a couple of guys who you could who, who you could say were Olympic eligible, age eligible, and playing and being a top player for their team. So, even if the European uh, base players aren't available, you're gonna with the MLS players alone. I think it's gonna be a pretty strong team. And and I'm not gonna write off Greg Berhalter plucking a few European based guys to come in and work some of his connections to get some of these guys in there. Cause look, someone like Chris Richards, as an example, if Chris Richards is not playing for, for Bayern, you know, if, if that that's an opportunity, could he play in Olympic qualifying Sebastian Soto? Now we're seeing here, Ulysses Yanez. So I think, I think Berhalter is going to work some magic on some of these European based guys to get them into the Olympic qualifying setup. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Why well, was that wraps up today's SBI rundown? Anything else you want to get into before, uh, before we enjoy the week? Nah, that's it, man. I, I, you know, we'll we'll take a break from the top fives uh, for 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 now. But uh, you know, we'll, 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 next time we'll be next the next episode we'll have a U.S. friendly to talk about and MLS Cup to preview. Um, so and uh, maybe maybe we can we can talk about the playlist that I'm going to come up with for my eight hour ride to Columbus. So I, 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 anyone who wants to send me some some suggestions for audio books and albums to listen to for my eight hour ride. Nice. Well, Ivis, you enjoy yourself. Enjoy the U.S. men's national team game. And uh, I'll see you later this week as we uh, recap the uh, U.S. game and we'll be previewing the MLS finals. Sounds good. All right, everyone. And as always, thank you for watching the show. We'll be back later this week. See you then. Bye.